Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the MU Tech Talk. I am Matt Hinker, your host, and just shortly we will be joined by Ronnie Zabel once again, and we'll be discussing V10 rigging. But before we get to that, just very quickly, I just want to remind all of our technicians and dealers that as spring is approaching, I know you guys will be starting to get busy as things ramp up and people are wanting to get their boats out onto the water here. Just to remind you, take this time now. If you have to get any courses in in order to maintain your certification, do it now. Do it as fast as you can, whether it's a classroom course or you just need to get your yearly, hourly uh, training in. So make sure you get that taken care of here before you get too busy and don't have time to do so. But without further ado, let's go ahead and bring Ronnie in and let's discuss V10 rigging. Ronnie, welcome back and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, not a problem. So Ronnie, you want to discuss today uh, V10 outboard specifically v10 rigging and possibly repower correct correct so why don't we kind of get into that a little bit then what are some maybe some specifics that you want to talk about in terms of v10 installation and repower uh the repower itself is a big one there's a lot of stuff that may have to be changed in the vessel uh, mm-hmm. depending on the age of the engines you're removing from it uh, one of the biggest things off the top is that it does require the generation two dts remote controls so if you have the older dts controls those are all going to have to be replaced right so it's it's, it's very similar uh, like v12 in that regard that there it has to use our generation two dts controls correct and that's all got to do with software issues and the communication between everything because it's all newer software. Now, keeping along this line, since we're at the helm still here when we're having we're talking about this a bit, what about gauges? Say if someone's bringing in a, an older boat with L6 Verados, they you know they want to take those off and put on the new V10s, which that's going to be a very common repower here because of the horsepower range. Will they have to upgrade those analog gauges to digital gauges? So correct, none of the analog gauges will work on a V10 engine at all. There's no options for it. A V10 engine is 100% digital gauges only. Okay, so they'll have to upgrade to either the vessel view or some of our digital SmartCraft gauges. Correct. Okay, let's keep on along the same uh, lines here. We'll we'll get into some other topics like mounting and whatnot, but since we're still at the helm, one of the things that was always necessary for L6 Verado was, of course, was clean power connection, right? There always needed to be that uh, clean power from the battery to the engine. That was a two-pin on the L6 Verado. This engine is going to be using the four-pin clean power harness, correct? Correct. Yep. So strictly a four-pin now. And you can run it in an adapter that goes into the 14-pin harness up by the rigging center. And That's another thing with these engines is they do require a rigging center, unlike the L6 Verados. Yeah, that was actually going to, if you didn't touch on that, that was going to be my next point is that, you know, like the V12, the V10 requires a rig center to be mounted. So in in a repower application, the dealer is going to have to find a location for that rig center to be mounted. Correct. 
And then what you'll do is you can use the existing 14 pin that's in the vessel currently that goes from the helm to the engine. You can take that 14 off the engine. You can pull it inside the vessel. You can then hook that up to your rigging center. Then you have the connection between the rigging center and your new DTS uh, Gen 2 controls that you would put at the helm. And then what you would need is from the rigging center, you would refer to it as an umbilical cord. It's actually going to be a 21 pin harness that plugs into the rigging center. And then that's what will feed up to the engine uh, that comes in multiple different lengths. And then it mounts to the rear of the engine and it turns into actually four individual plugins on the engine. So you will no longer see the round traditional 14 pin plugs on these V10 engines. Right. Again, so again, it's very similar to V12 in that that 21 uh, umbilical will run up to the engine and there's a rig plate on the back of the V10 where those those four connections connect at. Absolutely correct. Yep. So let's stick with the rig center here a little bit. What are some recommendations in terms of mounting, especially maybe on some of these you know, larger vessels, multi-engine vessels, they usually have a much larger, say, engine compartment or a bilge area that allows for the installation. But what about maybe some of the smaller single-engine applications like uh, multi-species boats, for example? Those use a lot of 350, 400 L6 Verados, and I could see a lot of them wanting to slap a V10 on now. Makes a lot of sense. So where would you necessarily recommend the, the, uh, the rig center be mounted in those applications? Ideally, it would be in the back of the boat somewhere and it would be inside of a compartment where it's not going to get wet. And then there is an orientation the way you want to mount it under there comes with the instruction sheet on how to lay it out so that if it does get sprayed with water, that no water actually gets inside of it. But they did enclose the new rigging center. So instead of just a harness on a board, with a bunch of wires hanging off of it, it's actually fully enclosed, and now you mm -hmm. have plugins that stick out the side of it. Yep, and if you're tight on space, I know again, like V12, it can it can have the it, there it can be wall mounted as well, so it doesn't have to be laid flat on a surface. It can actually be mounted on a wall, and that's a great way to help keep it dry too. Because if you mount it like you said appropriately, looking at the manual. Um, you it'll it'll help use gravity to redirect water away from the connections. Correct. So again, we're going to keep on the rig center a little bit just because, you know, the rig centers is something that's a little bit new, and I think it's going to be a lot, very new for a lot of dealers, right? V12 is a more unique product. It's a little more of a niche product that a lot of dealers, especially a lot of our uh, inland dealers that deal with only freshwater product really haven't seen a lot or haven't seen any V12s. So the rig center is going to be news for them. So the other thing you can also do is they can be stacked if you have a multi-engine application, but we're kind of now here talking about, I would say, probably much more likely single-engine applications. They will have, like you said, they'll have the 21-pin umbilical connection that goes to the engine, the 14-pin connection that will run up to the helm, but then they will also have the, this is where, that is where the clean power four-pin will connect directly to the cranking battery for the engine, and then there will be an OEM and Mercury breakout harness. Let's talk about those a little bit. So yeah, you have those breakout harnesses to aid in that rigging on those. Uh, you can add uh, a multiple of different things on those breakout harnesses if you mm -hmm. want to. Uh, a quick example is a mercathode. If you've got yep. a boat that you'd like to do that, you can add a mercathode. You can also add a remote trim switch, plugs right in. You can add in uh, a remote fuel level sensor on there. So yeah, multiple different things you can add into those. 
Yep, and uh, battery isolation is also connects right in there. And then something I do want to I, I want to cover as well is so dealers understand. There's two different types. There's the OEM breakout and there's the Mercury breakout. The OEM breakout harness is standard. Doesn't matter what engine is on the back, it is the same. It will have the same connections across the board. Whereas the Mercury breakout harness, it does depend on the engine. The, the V12 breakout Mercury harness is different than the V10 breakout harness. As it, the one simple change is the, the Mercury breakout harness has either two or three connections. The V12 has your whiff or water and fuel sensor connection. And then if you have battery isolation, that's also where that connection will happen. The V10 has both those connections, but it also adds your three pin connection for your steering signal connection, right? Which makes sense because V12, all the steering is built right into the outboard itself. The pump, the harnessing, all of that is all in the outboard. So there's no lines being ran. Whereas if you're using electrohydraulic steering with the V10, you will need to connect your hydraulic pump to that three pin connection on the Mercury breakout harness. Yep, absolutely correct. So it's just one of those things that I, I think it's important that uh, the dealers well recognize that. So if you're doing a repower, make sure you order, and it's a V10, make sure you order the proper Mercury breakout harness. Because you're gonna you're gonna be going, well, wait, where does my where does my uh steering sensor uh or my steering signal harness connect up to correct exactly yep that could oh. be an issue okay so i think we've i think we've covered rig centers enough now let's get on to actually physically mounting the engine if you're going to mount an engine you got to lift it right it's got to be hoisted up out of the crate uncrating yep. it is very similar to that of l6 and v8 so there's nothing really new there it's not like the v12 where there's a process if you're going to lift that, you can actually use the same lifting strap that you've used yep. for the V6, V8. It's the same part numbers. So, and it's definitely a load capacity that it will certainly lift up the V10. Yep. Yep. That was, that's exactly what I was going to get to. So I'm glad you covered that. Yeah. It's, so if you have one of those at the dealer, at the shop already, you have one for V8, V6, you can use the same lifting strap to hoist her up. Now let's talk about physically mounting. What are the bolt requirements? for this engine it needs a minimum of four and they are definitely required to double nut them it's highly recommended that we use six and also double nut all six and then what we found is typically because of the larger gear case on this engine typically if you mounted about two holes higher than what the l6 was you pretty much put you right on uh, in most applications right yep there's most testing has found if you're repowering either an L6 or V8, that if you if you raise it two holes, you should be roughly where you're getting you, you want it to be to get the same level of performance. And that is mostly due to the um, the gear case, correct? The different gear case that is that is now installed on the V10. Correct. It's the first time we've run these gear cases. They're actually a 6.44 gear case, so they're much larger in diameter. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, uh, it's the largest prop shaft we've ever run. These prop shafts are now an inch and a half in diameter. And because of that, and because of the diameter of the gear case itself, it takes us into the next step is they have a special prop hub. It's called a Flow Torque X. And it's the only prop hub that you can use on these specific uh, gear cases. And then we've uh, made up our new uh, line of props, and they're called Revolution X propellers. 
and those are the only props that we offer for these engines. We make them in both left and right hand, and if memory serves me, I believe we make them from 18 all the way up to 33 pitch. So let me ask you this question, and I'm asking you because I you, before we before we hopped on to do, to do the show here, you actually said you've actually gotten this question, so I think it's good to cover it then. If I'm, I don't want to do a full repower, but I like that 644 gear case, right? That 6.4 inch gear case, that bigger gear case. Can I order one of those and put it on, say, my L6 or V8? No, you cannot. Okay. And that's a hard no. Uh, you cannot <laughs> use this gear case on any other engines. It is specific to the V10 only. Okay. So, and that's, no that's what I, yep. And that's, I think that's important that the dealers recognize that. Correct. Uh, it's also important to mention too, that when a dealer is rigging, especially the first time he's trying to re-rig one of these, we mm -hmm. do have a service bulletin out there. It's service bulletin 2022-28, and it gives you all the specifications on the V10 as far as the steering, the fuel systems, battery cables, uh, installation, uh, videos, all of that in that bulletin. So it's very, very important to take the time uh, review that bulletin before you start ordering any parts. Uh, it'll yep. definitely get you where you need to be so that you're successful to rig it right the first time. So again, if you're repowering, can I, you know, from an L6 or a V8, can I use the same water and fuel filter, boat mounted uh, no. water and fuel filter? You cannot. You have to change the onboard uh, on the vessel fuel filter with the one that comes with the V10. So that is a requirement. Okay. Some of the other key features that I really liked when I did the first rigging I did is that the team has taken a, done a great job at measuring out cable lengths. So yes. if you look at it, it will tell you how to measure a cable and then how to mark it with a piece of tape. It mm -hmm. makes it very easy to run it through the rigging tube or the, the ingress to get it to where it's got to be. And then it talks you through, just get everything run first. And then after the fact, then actually connect it. And it's really nice because that piece of tape that's on that harness, once you put your rigging tube on and your ingress, everything in and line up those pieces of tape, it gives all of that harnessing enough room to where it's not being pulled too tight. Yep. It gives it that relaxation of the cable to prevent future issues. And it's just, they did a great job when they designed that. Yeah, they did. You could tell that they really thought things through in the terms of the design for rigging this engine. There's no doubt about that. And they, you can tell that, you know, with with the horsepower range that it's at, again, this is where it definitely differs itself from V12 is there's going to be repowers with this product. You know, V12, a repower is going to be an incredibly rare scenario. V10, definitely not. So yeah, it's uh, they've done a great job with with laying it all out very nicely in that bulletin and in those videos. Yep. Uh, so then let me ask you this: Is there anything else? Like I guess to just wrap things up, is there anything else that you feel like is worth noting in terms of the V10, its features, benefits, or more importantly, you know, rigging and rigging installation and repower? The other nice thing with these engines that should be known is on multiple engine applications you can still go 26 inch yes. on center if you need to. Yep. So, yep. Yep. That's a very uh, important thing for repowers. Uh, yep. You get that as question asked a lot. 
Yep. And again, that just goes back to what we just said, right? They did a really good job of thinking about repower with this product because it's it's going to be big for it. Then, so let me, let me, it, definitely not a complete shift in gears, but I just want to ask you, have you gotten a chance to, uh, to drive a boat powered by one yet? I have not, unfortunately. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully in this, you know, the summer when our, uh, the lake is made of uh, liquid water here, you'll get a chance to get one out. Yes, I'm hoping for it. I, I, I highly recommend it. Cause I, I was lucky enough down in Florida. We had, uh, we had a boat, we had a Boston whaler with one rigged on and it was, uh, let me just say it's, it's, it, it just like the V8, V6 and the V12, it, it just, it goes, you know, it is, it's a heck of a, it's a heck of a product. And that, and that the whaler was on, was a pretty heavy boat and it still had no problem getting it up on plane and getting you to cruise in no time. That bigger gear case really gives you that oomph. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And that large four blade prop, that's impressive as well. Yes, sir. So, okay. Now let's fully shift gears. So last month we, we talked about O2 sensors, right? Correct. And we opened up questions for that. And by the way, speaking of that, same thing as we did last week, if you have any questions about V10, V10 rigging, V10 installation, V10 repower, Ronnie, tell them where they can go ahead and put those questions and then we'll answer them in the next podcast. Yep. In the next day or two, we will be doing a survey. We will put that survey and post it out onto MerkNet under the uh, service tab. So you can watch for that survey there. And then we'll have a few questions there. You can put in your uh, your questions, what you would like to hear and what you'd like answered. And then if you also, if you have any suggestions for a future podcast, I will actually put that mm -hmm. in there as well. Uh, if you include your your name and your dealer information, uh, and we use your topic or we use your questions, we will send you a nice little Mercury gift. Yes, sir. And of course, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast as well. Make sure you guys get the recognition for helping us also come up with uh, important topics and also bringing your questions because the questions are helpful. You know, it's good. To, it's good that you guys ask questions because you, there are things that we are discussing that even if it's the topic we plan on discussing, we may miss something and you guys may go, hey, they didn't talk about this. I want to know about this. So it's the questions can be very helpful. And speaking of that, we did get one from the O2 sensors, correct? Correct. They had asked us if it was a service item, if you had to include it as an uh, annual service item, and how to actually test it if it truly fails. So it's typically not a service item. Mm -hmm. um, many of the O2 sensors will last the life of the engine. There's two ways you can actually tell how or if it has failed. The, one of the easiest ways is to connect G3 and go look at the live data. And when you first start the engine up, if you're looking at your live data, you will be looking at your O2 sensor. And the first thing it's got to do is once the engine starts to warm up, your duty cycle has to activate. And then that has to warm up the heater that's inside the O2 mm -hmm. sensor. So you can watch the duty cycle go up and then the temperature goes up. Once the temperature hits 1,435 degrees Fahrenheit, then you'll actually see your I-term start to adjust how the engine's running. If that is not occurring and the uh, duty cycle and the heater are not warming up, that sensor has failed. Real simple test to check and basically replace it with a new one and then do the same test just to verify your repairs. 
if that's working and you're still having a problem with the O2 sensor, it's a little more challenging, but what you can do is you can watch what it's doing. And if it's doing something usually really erratic, it will add a bunch of fuel, it'll subtract a bunch of fuel, it'll add, it'll subtract, and it just bounces all over. If you verified like your fuel pressures and done some of your basic tests and that stuff's all testing uh, normal, then the easiest way to test if it's the O2 sensor is to replace it with a known good one and see if that fixes the issue because um, there are no actual further testing procedures on it. So, but those two processes will get you diagnosed with a faulty sensor. Excellent. First off, I want to say thank you to whoever sent the question in. Much appreciated. Very good questions. And then actually, those were really good questions. So I actually want to follow up then. So how often do we really see O2 sensor failures? Not real often. Usually what we see is we see a fuel issue and mm -hmm. that's what trips the O2 faults. But most of the time, a sensor will last the life of the engine. Uh, I've had a couple of rare occasions where the sensor heater goes out in them, and it's usually because they got banged. Um, they are fairly sensitive, uh, mm -hmm. and there's, they're fairly fragile. And if you like putting the cowl on and you drop it against the sensor, that's usually what causes it to fail. Okay, excellent. Thanks so much, Ronnie, for answering those questions. And again, thank you for the uh, technician or the individual who asked those questions. So again, I want to encourage everyone to ask those questions. We're putting them out there. Ronnie, let you know where to do that. You have any questions pertaining to V10, V10 rigging, V10 installation, and or repower, please feel free to answer, ask those questions and we will answer in our next podcast. Ronnie, thank you so much for joining us again. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. Once again, I want to thank everyone for listening. This has been MU Tech Talk.